What's good? What's good? What's good? What's good? Welcome everybody to another episode of Public Comments. What's going on, Jordan? Happy Friday, bro. What's happening, man? Oh Glad man. Glad to be here, bro. How's your week? Dude, it's been good, man. It's been good. It's been a good week. A lot of good experiences so far. I've been doing a lot of research. I've been doing a lot of studying on the catastrophe. I'm excited to get into this topic today. Um, but what's good to you, man? How's your week? Same, bro. Same. It's been a good week for myself personally. Took advantage of the volatility in the markets this week. Had a nice little growth on the account. Been diving deep into crypto Twitter. What's going on there? It's 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 a bloodbath. <laughs> but I also have the same perspective. It's like it's exciting in a way that I know major opportunities are coming. So it's, it's been good. Big facts. Well, today we have um, not only a special guest, but the the first the first what do we call it? The what are the what's the president's wife? The first lady. Yeah, the first lady so far since you and I have been hosting this, the first lady to, to run up um, the podcast. She's been on the podcast before um, in the first, let's call it the first season. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to, to kind of have a conversation. But this is somebody for everybody listening or watching. Nancy's somebody that I had the privilege of working on very on, very early on since before she became Nancy. I mean, she was always Nancy, but um, she was she was the Nancy that people don't know. Um, and I've seen just an incredible amount of growth and just an, an incredible amount of leadership um, come out of this woman. And, I, you know, I respect women a lot. You know, I, I think Jordan and I have this same um, kind of like respect for women. You know, I respect my mom, my sister, and just, you know, my first mentor was a woman. So I really, truly look up to women who run the world. And um, Nancy is you're, you're, you're one of those people that I truly, truly respect. Um, so I'm excited to have a, a conversation with you. What's going on with you? How was your week? Yeah. Um, my week was great. Same thing as Jordan, the, the volatility in the market. I like it a lot. Um, but thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here with both of you. Like you said, I was I was here last time. My hair was a different color. <laughs> it was. Um, so I'm excited to have a, a conversation. I have no idea where it's gonna go, but I'm here for it. That's yeah, great. we totally just go like even how we started it. Mano, we jump on the Zoom. Let's go live. Let's we just have a conversation and see where it goes. But yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation as well, Nancy. It's been insane to see the growth. I think we've known each other for almost ten years now. Now we didn't know each other quite too well in the beginning, but I think we. Made our first acquaintance in what 2013. That's like, crazy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's been super cool. Obviously, me and Nancy know each other. We go, we went to we went to school together, we went to university at UIC together. But I know you really well. I know Mono knows you really well. For the but for the people who are listening who don't know you well, who is Nancy Aguilera? That's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> okay, I think I think something that I identify myself as would be um, wholeheartedly like a businesswoman, but also like a servant like I I like to serve others I'm a nurturer just by nature um I'm a traveler like I just created a new TikTok guys <laughs> no mad Nance which only took me like five years to create but um I feel like I, I wear a lot of hats and to say that I'm either like either this or that is just kind of confining <laughs> so I do a little bit of it all like I I love looking at charts every once in a while and just like marking that up I love volunteering whenever I can. I love cleaning up beaches whenever I can. I love traveling and eating new food whenever I can. So I do my best to make sure I get all of that done. 
Oh, you're all over the place. All over the place. That's <laughs> I, I love that. So, so before you became this person, I know you and Jordan met in college, right? Who, who, who were you? I know. I mean, I know your story, yeah. right? And I kind of want to hear. I want to hear the uh, the 2012, 2011, 2015 side of Nancy. Um. <laughs> hmm, okay, we can take a walk down memory lane. Um, I would say that I was a little bit of a hard ass for no reason. <laughs> uh, always a hard worker though. So I would actually just like not go to class so that I can put in more hours at work. And then I picked up the second job and then eventually a third. Um, I just didn't care. I, my interest wasn't at school. Like Jordan knows we took some um, engineering classes together. So I just was not present, like mentally, physically, just not there. Um, I drank a lot. <laughs> I was I was a little bit of a degen, but like not the not the producing kind. Just like I would just waste a dumb amount of money on buying drinks for myself or others. Like uh, I like to be not necessarily like the life of the party, but like I wanted to make sure that everyone was having a good time. And like I said, I was just blowing money left and right. I didn't give a, like I didn't care. I didn't have a care in the world. And eventually that led to me being like lost. But we don't have to get into that. What was your drink of choice? The strongest kind. Like, <laughs> I, I drank like a, like a 200 pound dude. Yeah, <laughs> um, I can vouch for that. I can yeah. That. Like, <laughs> like gross beer, anything, any dark liquor, um, long islands. Uh, oh yeah. Those, those are some crazy times. I remember that. I can definitely vouch for Nancy. Nancy was like one of the boys, like she was like well-respected. Like we would, yeah, we had a good time and we'd go out and we'd rage and thank God for Mike. Thank God for Mike showed us something better to do with our money, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, not before also participating, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously, yeah. Can't Slight. leave that out. <laughs> yeah, throw them under the bus a little bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is that that's kind of how it would be. If any one of us were to, like, expose the other, like, we have, we also have, like, an arsenal of blackmail. So <laughs> we play our cards right. That's funny. So now fast forward into, like, you know, business mindset and, you know, serial entrepreneur, um, Nancy, who are, who were some of your influences to get into this space? Um, besides like, I know, obviously now you probably look up to different people that you looked up to, you know, two, three years, you know, down the road, two, two three years, um, ago, but who were some of your influences that, that got you to the point where you're at right now? So, I remember this very clearly, like when I was still working at, um, I'm going to call it like my big girl job. Like I was working like a corner office and doing like accounts payable, like boring work, monotonous, but nonetheless, uh, that's when I started to dabble into, I would literally go on YouTube and type in like, teach me something new because I like, I literally didn't know what I didn't know. So I was just like, I can't dive into something. I don't know what to get, <laughs> I don't know where to get started. So eventually somehow I ended up with, um, I'm sure you guys know the channel like sacred geometry or spirit science is what it's called. And then eventually somehow I led in, I got led into Tom Bilyeu. And this is when Tom Bilyeu had like, I don't know, probably less than 10,000 um, subscribers on YouTube or something like that. So I would start to binge watch Tom Bilyeu and get into a little bit of biohacking. Um, Vishen Lakiani, like Mind Valley, Ed Milet. Um, I forgot what his slogan is. But yeah, I think that's what really inspired me to like just do something different and get into that entrepreneurial mindset which actually ironically when I was looking into like okay what am I going to do for the rest of my life that conversation that comes up so often when you're you know 17 18 19 years old 
Um, I looked into entrepreneurship because I didn't even know what the word meant. And I was just like, oh no, that's not for me. Like, that sounds like a lot of like, you rely on yourself to get ahead. Like, nobody's going to do the work for you and nobody's going to tell you what to do. Like you got to do it for you. So I actually told myself like, that's not me. And then funny enough, like, you know, four years down the road, that's exactly what would be the, the ticket to freedom, if you will, the golden ticket. Yeah. To answer your question, it was YouTube, Tom Bilyeu, big shout out to that guy. He's a complete nerd and I absolutely love it. Yeah. I just saw Gary Vee short on YouTube, right? Then he was talking to Logic about a Rubik's Cube and he's like, did you did you use YouTube to learn how to do that? And he's like, yeah. And Gary Vee was like, it's so surprising how much like that's the answer to everything nowadays is like YouTube this, YouTube that. I learned how to do you know, wholesale real estate. I learned majority of my knowledge about real estate through YouTube. It's, it's, it's crazy. So you talked about, I want to, I want to ask a question kind of um, parallel to what you just talked about. Right. And you, you mentioned that, you know, when you looked into entrepreneurship, that wasn't really your lane. It seemed mm -hmm. like you had to depend a lot on yourself. I feel like there's a culture nowadays of everybody looking into entrepreneurship and everybody trying to do entrepreneurship and people take that road some people for a very short amount of time some people really stick to it mm -hmm. but i know that entrepreneurship is not for everybody how did you know that it was for you and then like side note to that question like how can other people that are looking into entrepreneurship that are like kind of on the fence maybe have dabbled into it like what piece of advice can you give them like down their road so one I think to preface it, even that, uh, I now believe that I wasn't, I wasn't in alignment with entrepreneurship in like before, because I wasn't as evolved, you know, it just, I would literally wasn't on the same frequency as that I was in my past paradigm, you know? So it's just like, I was very traditional, like, okay, you go to school, you do, you know, you do the thing that everyone expects you to do. Um, but to answer your question, so I was listening to an audiobook today. I forgot what it's called, but he says that give yourself 12 months, give yourself a year because you either persevere or you plummet. So it's like, if you're not going to give yourself at least 12 months, you know, like these things take time um, more than anything, they take repetition. So if you're only giving yourself, I don't know, like two hours a day, or let's say that three hours or six hours a week on the weekends, because, you know, people claim that they're busy then. And then in three months from now, you're going to give up. Like you didn't give yourself a fighting chance. So I would say give yourself at least a year of like tedious, like meticulous work ethic. And then you can say, okay, I, I gave it a go. It's either for me or it's not. You can find a different endeavor. I like that. You think there's like a lot, do you think there's a lot of clout with entrepreneurship right now? I don't know if it would be clout, but there def like you mentioned, there definitely is a, like a, an uprise in entrepreneurship. I will say that I kind of have to give it to like Gen Z because a lot of them just already are growing up with the mindset of, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to do the traditional. I don't want to do what my parents did and their parents did. So I will say that maybe it's in the limelight more because Gen Z might be just highlighting it more on, you know, like Instagram and TikTok. Um, they just might be louder. And it also just may, might be the, the material, the content that we're consuming. It just seems like more people are doing it. Do we know if more people are actually doing it? I don't know. I don't know the stats. I think for that. there's definitely like a growing awareness that some of the more reliable systems that people have lived on, like jobs, you know, schools aren't as reliable anymore, you know, especially with what happened in the last couple of years. So people are looking naturally for alternatives, new means to living life, you know, to thriving. I'm kind of curious. Um, you mentioned that you found yourself that you weren't in alignment 
what were some of the things that changed and that you got aligned with that allowed you to like just take entrepreneurship to the next level? I think that personal development, like listening to like Ed Milet, Tom Bilyeu, they they really were the ones that were like expanding my mind and just meeting new people. Like I think when we're growing up, and this is no no diss to my parents or anything like that, but at least for me, like I grew up pretty sheltered. I I was a rebel, <laughs> but nonetheless, like they they put me in like private school and things like that. So I wouldn't be, cause I grew up on the South side of Chicago. So like, thank you for that, for sure. I'm grateful. But because I was so sheltered and I kind of like just had this like route paved for me before. So I just felt very complacent there. I felt really uncomfortable feeling that complacency. And then that's where I just kind of like, I need to learn something different. And again, um, speaking to like new people, I, I actually love networking, like just meeting new people and having conversations because there's a little seed that drops that can eventually, not even today, but later down the road, realize that it actually left an impact on you. And I think that's what happened, especially even ironically at my, at the job that I was working, like it was a small, it was a family owned business that had been, or is around for over like 60, 70, 80 years. I don't remember, I'm not really sure, but I was working for them. I know how much everyone was making because I was doing accounts payable. Like mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I want to be on that side of the check. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so I was just like, there's, there's just something's got to give this, this ain't it. What was the most somebody was making? Um, so I would get, I would get a weekly, well, not me personally, but I would get into the account that had a weekly um, $2 million like a uh, deposit. And I would mm -hmm. use those $2 million to make sure that everyone is being paid correctly. But people, right, so you were you were in big money before you were even in big money. Yeah, exactly. I was seeing all these big numbers and I'm just like, and mind you, like they actually had a decent pay. Like I was getting paid more than my my friends for sure, um, which then caused, you know, bad spending habits. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was seeing bigger numbers and I was just like, this is rad. That's cool. That. <laughs> Yo, Jordan, I had I had kind of a question. I, I know you're not the, the guest, right? But I, I think this is kind of interesting because Nancy and I, right, we, we both grew up with like very traditional, like, you know, Hispanic, conservative, very like traditional parents. Um, and like, I see a lot of immigrants, a lot of um, minorities take entrepreneurship a lot more seriously than people that are like native to the US. How, how do you feel about that? Do you see like, I mean, obviously you have an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur, you have an entrepreneur spirit. But like, how, how, like, what's the, how do you see that? Like, do you see the same thing? I agree hundred percent. I think and it's interesting. You bring this copy up. So my mom's actually here visiting. We were just talking about this yesterday. My mom used to own a business and not owning my own business. It's, I agree though. I, I think that maybe people who have been here, families who have been more established here have like what Nancy has said, have maybe had a path laid out for them. And so when you have some sort of path, to whatever means you're going for laid out for you, you're less likely to take the risk and deviate from that plan versus when you're coming here looking for opportunities. And that's why I think this makes this place great. What makes America great is that people come here looking for those opportunities. And we do legitimately have those opportunities to create equity. Like mm -hmm. that's what I think the entrepreneurial spirit is. And when you realize, and that's why I was asking that question about alignment, because that's what big thing what it was for me. It was like realizing, okay, there's one path of like being an employee, having things kind of planned, having following maybe a plan that you didn't create sure it will take care of you and it took care of a lot a lot of people and i think the people that have had that sort of history in their past where their families like got taken care of by that system aren't as likely to jump out of that system 
versus people who are coming here realizing, hey, I can get equity, create equity for myself, get equity in the company, get equity in business. You know, getting that ownership of something is much more important for someone who hasn't been taken care of by a system. Mm. Mm. I love that. That's interesting. I love hearing that perspective because I think that that's, um, you know, I think a lot of uh, even just like well-established companies nowadays have been, you know, created by immigrants. Andrew Carnegie, right, was from Scotland. So it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of been a trend since, since the That's the American dream, right? I mean, that's the American philosophy is like none of us, not even people who have been here for hundreds of years who are considered, right, the the majority or whatever, this actually white people aren't the majority anymore, but nobody is native here. Everyone came here, even the original settlers in seek of opportunity. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that's what unites everybody coming here as American is like, we're all here to create opportunity, you know, to create and pursue a different way of prosperity. You know, yeah. I think it's interesting to wonder. That was a question I wanted to ask you, Nancy, is like, because um, I love hearing everyone's version of it. You know, everyone has a different version of what prosperity is, like what success mm-hmm. is, like what they're going for, what they're working towards. So what is that for you, Nancy? I think success is what, like whatever you want it to be. Like If you I, I forget who says it. Might, mm, I don't want to butcher it, but it's just like whatever makes you happy. It sounds so cliche, maybe even corny, but like, dude, just do what makes you happy happy what brings you peace like where you feel good and tranquil with no like stress bs like i i'm a firm believer that we were not put here to pay bills and die like that's not a life that's merely barely existing so like my version of prosperity might be even different than your version of prosperity success you know same thing so it's just like me my version right now at who i am right now because it's going to evolve as i evolve right um it's it's making sure that I'm happy, making sure that my family's happy, that we're taken care of, and that we're, well, at least we're accumulating experiences along the way because they're a good time. Yeah, that's so important right there. Accumulating experiences. I love that. That's so deep. I think that goes over a lot of people's head too, is a lot of people think success is the bends and then, you know, pool in the backyard with a couple kids, you I know. And, that with you. You know, yeah, right. But the experiences, I love that. I love that. Yeah, Johnny set that up on a former podcast he's like dude i'm an addict I'm like, he's like, I'm an addict. he said he's addicted yeah. to experience like oh, yeah. you mentioned a different way like yeah just addicted to getting the next experience like just getting what life has to offer because there's so much and we have so many tools and there's so many ways now to get it and like that's why i'm generally bullish on things and just every aspect of life even given the crazy circumstances which somehow always get brought up on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> Is because we've continually been able to create more opportunities for ourselves as we get more developed as a race and species, more awareness, how we interact with each other, the technology, the opportunities available, it's constantly expanding. You know, so what are um I want another question for you, Nancy. What are some do you have any exciting opportunities on the horizon that you're looking at? Like what gets you excited about the world of business and life right now? All right. So what are my objectives for until the end of 2022? is to uh, have 10 properties, just international, at least under, you know, like um, we were doing Airbnb, we paused that for a little bit, but I want to have 10 properties on Airbnb or, you know, like leasing, Airbnb just has more turnover. So that's kind of where I'm leaning. Um, But that, that, that's it. Maybe we have like a a trading psychology book or a trading workbook come out, something like that. But uh, Oh, yeah, she got that smile on her face like it's already drafted. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, no. I had that smile on my face because I, 
okay, like I mentioned before, like I wear so many hats and I get really excited to get into things. And this might actually be like, this is a, a double-edged sword where I want to do everything. And like, I'll take action on things. And I don't like leaving things like half-assed, but when you're dabbling into 23 different lanes, that tends to happen, you know? So it is a double-edged sword. And the reason why I laugh is because like, yeah, I have like one page of that workbook, but it's something that has been left unfinished. I love that. So what, let's um let's address some of the things that you know all three of us have in common, right? So we're all investors. We all love money. Um, we're all participating in 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 the markets, whether it be trading, whether it be investing, whether it be, I mean, just sitting on the sidelines, right? Whatever it may be. But where where do you see the 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 current state of the union right now? Obviously, everybody's understanding right now that we're entering or have already been for the last couple of months in a recession. Um, I know you're huge into cryptos and NFTs, and that's obviously um, not doing so well in perspective of when it was doing very well, you know, eight months ago. Um, but what, what's kind of like your take on, on just overall financial markets right now? Okay. So it still baffles me how everything really is orchestrated. Yeah. Let's show it. So this recession is closing on a position that they opened up at the bottom of, of pandemic, like that hundred. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, when uh, last February, not last February, uh, February, 2020, when it February went March. all the way up and then just started over a six week period, just dying oh. yeah. at the beginning of pandemic. Um, yeah. That position's left open. Yeah. I think that's what that's kind of what we're experiencing right now it's like we're going to continue to drop and this is all my speculation right but i feel like we're going to continue to drop because of that yeah and then we can go ahead and make higher highs but if it doesn't happen now it'll happen later thanks yeah i was just talking to jordan about this like before we started recording um like the speculation of the, like okay for example i'll give you a real life example right like my interest rate for when i bought my house was 3.14 percent right that's my interest rate and it's mm -hmm. a fixed rate current interest rate right now is like 6.8 6.9 you know so it's double from 18 months ago and like it, it that's exactly what happened in 2008 it was like everybody's interest rates were so low you know one two three percent and then all of a sudden they just jacked them up and so boom it popped it burst the bubble because nobody can afford to make money anymore and so that's kind of what's happening here that's Ooh. But everything's happening at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So how do you see the how do you see the third? Because now it's a three-headed monster, right? In two thousand and eight, it was a housing market crash. Two thousand and one, it was a stock market crash. Now it's now it's you know I saw a meme today that I sent to Jordan on on Instagram, right? It was like the 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 death, right? The Grim Reaper, and it was three doors, and it was the stock market, and it was blood, and then there was a crypto market, and there was blood, and then it was knocking on the real estate market. So like now there's three big financial markets. Like, do you think that it's gonna affect all of them, or like how do you how do you see this progressing? Yeah, I do think that the, the, they're all gonna get it's going to get really ugly it's going to get worse before it gets better and i think because everything is connected right like because and i don't know this is just the way that i see it right um because inflation that was caused during 40 percent of the of the money being printed because of pandemic everyone was out of work and things like that so that caused inflation 
inflation. Inflation is causing people to, I guess, get a little bit more savvy and get out of their higher risk investments, i.e. crypto, NFTs, things like that. And so it's a slippery slope to the downside. It's like everyone's just undercutting one another. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's just gonna, it's like a domino effect. It's just it's take, misery loves company. It's everything's oh, taking it out together. Oh yeah, dude, there's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on crypto, right? Latest is like three arrows capital. Um, three ACs, everyone's talking about them. They're insolvent. Their founder is on the run. They're over leveraged, can't pay back loans. And the effect of that is other companies that have loans with them can't also become insolvent. And they're actually, we're heavily positioned in Luna. So it's like one domino, like you said, it's the domino effect of like knocking down more and more dominoes. But at the same time, it's so necessary. It's so necessary because the markets were extremely overvalued, extremely overinflated. And so now, like the fact that it's basically a giant purge. The only things that will be left standing are the things that have legitimate value. And like Bitcoin and Ethereum have been battle tested already. We already know we've seen 85, 90% drops in crypto markets. And we've seen those networks survive, rally, right? Um, but yeah, it's going to be exciting for me, I think, to look at the some of the newer things that came out in this last two years and which one of those are the blue chips, right? Which one of those projects are actually going to make it through this next bearish market because I, I think not good 95 percent of them won't you know so it's gonna be it's gonna what, crazy what you got your eye on what are you eyeing jordan <laughs> i was gonna ask you the same exact thing i have a few projects um i'm yet to get into solana i got my eyes on a couple of solanas i like the curse labs mm. i'm looking at those mm -hmm. right now um it's my first solana blue chip to like well now you know me now it's like for those who don't i'm i've always been i'm a class of 2017 for crypto so it's not my first bear market I went all in with my student loans 2017, bought all the shit, all the hype, lost it all. So like the cycle and sense, I've always been focused on longevity in terms of my investments in crypto, knowing the volatility of the cycles. But yeah, Curse Labs on Solana, on Ethereum, I'm in 8-Bits, um, I'm in Quirkies, mm. and then I like the the frogs. I like I got some of the plague. But, oh, nice. I know Mike yeah. got some of those too. <laughs> nice. What about you? Are you looking at anything else? Um... So same thing, Curse Lab, like here's the thing. And I, and I know that you guys understand this, but for like those of the listening, just because it makes sense and it has utility doesn't mean it does well. And also vice versa, you know, like the whole like psychological, um, psychological thing with like selling things just because that I sell something doesn't mean I don't believe in it. So it, it goes both ways. It's like a, it's like a reflection of like a mirror. So um, I believe, I believe in, in um, Curse Labs. I believe in the the plague frogs um i believe in quirkies just because i know who's behind it like mm -hmm. they have a lot of people of influence behind it and not even just like influence but affluence you know like i don't think these it's kind of everything is fractal right like let's let's pretend that the board apes are like the federal reserve <laughs> for the sake of this <laughs> if the board apes are like the the rothschilds in, in the nft world um and they're being and they're like i guess shilling quirkies and then 2.0 quirklings then it's like okay well the banks don't lose so i'm just gonna, just gonna hop on this bandwagon and ride it up and you know take my profit but it is really cool seeing like um the community like being on the inside and being able to have conversations again and being able to pick people's brains because there are some people that got I wouldn't want to say lucky, but that got into board apes when they were super, super low. Like the mint price was like $185 at the time, um, yeah. like 0.2 ETH, right? So some people got lucky. I believe though, that the way that this works for the most part, when someone 
let's say like your average Joe, right? You know, when somebody buys something at less than $200 and then that thing rides up to a quarter mil, $300,000, $400,000, you know, and then the rarities and things like that, um, the venom or whatever it's called, you know, adds value to it. So it's like a lot of those people t don't tend to hold because it just did like a, a lot in return. So the people that are getting in, they have experience with investments. They have experience with being able to get in on at something at 200K and ride it to two mil. So it's like, okay, if these people are the ones that I'm in, in a community with, then I wanna be part of the community. I wanna sit at a table. I wanna learn. I want, even if this goes to shit that at least, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to start here, but even if this, you know, if, if this goes bad, then at least I learned something. At least I got new connections, you know? That's so interesting. There's such a big difference in like flippers and investors. And I think that that for me has been something that's very difficult. Well, not difficult to understand anymore, but was very difficult for me to understand in the beginning that like, well, number one, getting over greed, right? Like, oh shit, you just got something for 200. Now it's, you know, 800. Let me see if it can go up to a thousand and then it goes to a hundred, right? So that was the first thing. But now lately it's been, okay, am I going to buy this with the intention of just making a quick bag or am I going to buy this with the intention of holding it long-term because it's an investment? And I think that that is such a problem for people nowadays because um, I don't remember who said it, but um, I was watching a documentary that said that lately in the last, you know, last bull run in, in, in cryptos and in stocks, there's been a lot of fake success. There's been a lot of people that just got lucky because they, you know, they, they just bought into something and then boom, it skyrocketed and they don't really know what they're doing. <laughs> they just bought something and, you know, overnight, boom, it's, you know, now worth 200 times more. So how did you get, how did you get, and how are you developing that mindset of like an actual investor and not just someone that's just like making a quick flip or are you still doing those things? <clears throat> It's been a while since I got in and out of something really quickly, but I'm not opposed to it. Like a bag is a bag, you know, it's just like disposable income pool. You get in, you get out un unattached. Um, but I did listen to a podcast a, a long time ago before, before the, the bloodbath that we're experiencing. And this guy, I actually don't remember his name because he's actually not, he's not like this crypto guru that, you know, we hear about. Um, but he, he gave his testimony on a podcast and he talked about how he got into Bitcoin at like, I don't know, sub $800. I actually might've been like $7, something ridiculous, point being. And then he got out. And then at the retracement, he had a lot more capital. He got in again and he got out. Like he was riding the waves with precision. And then not just with Bitcoin, but also I think it was with like XO, XRP or XLM, one of those. Um, and anyway, point being to conclude, on this podcast, you know, people were asking him like the questions because he had a lot of affluence now. He had a lot of capital. And he goes, look, I just got in at the right time at the at the right time at the right place. I actually don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, <laughs> you want to learn about crypto, you find someone that can teach you because that's not me. He's just I was just at the at the right place at the right time and then I did it again. I was like, yeah. <laughs> because I feel like so many people want to be that person like and I can't blame them, you know, like if you feel like you know something cool, express it. But I feel like a lot of people are, you know, like the crypto gurus just because they got into doge or something <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i mean there's definitely a huge difference between a single successful trade like mark douglas says it there's it takes no skill on getting a winning trade you press the button mm -hmm. the skill is consistently winning trades 
you know, and it's like being able to develop consistent results to prove to yourself that you are someone that is able to predict and like analyze, take risk, profit consistently, you know, building that track record. Um, and I think too, I wanted to touch on that subject of flipping versus investing because for myself, that was something I also struggled with is like crypto. I've been in crypto for a while and I, I do, I've realized I have developed emotional attachments to certain things in cryptocurrencies and my strategy um, is a lot of intuition and just based on me, like doing my own research and finding value. So what I found for myself, I've distinguished the markets, you know, crypto for me isn't a flip because my, my, my analyst in crypto is to find the value. And then I believe in finding the value and holding that long-term that will win out. That's my thesis. That's my investment strategy. It's been working so far for me. And then when it comes to flipping, you know, there's markets like FX indices that are moving with, you know, crazy amounts every single day and the emotional attachment there is zero. And it's so much easier to get in, get out with the bag. Um, but yeah, I don't know, Nancy, if you want to touch on that and your experience with just like that flipping versus investing mindset, because I think that is something that ensnares a lot of people with crypto is like, it's the not taking profits, like getting too greedy, becoming diamond hands when they should have got out. And there's a lot of intricacies with it. You know, you mentioned that you were coming out the trading psychology book and I've seen your guys' success in NFT markets and cryptos lately. So, but yeah, if you wanted to touch on that topic of like flipping versus investing. Yeah, I feel like, okay, like it's not, it is a one size fits all, but it's also not like, I can't give like this like three part um, handbook and say like, this is going to work every time. Like that's just not the way that it works. Right. Like I can say, yeah, I have diamond hands, but we've seen, okay. Like what, what are diamond hands going to do at this point? I mean, at this point we're just holding on. Right. But okay. So <laughs> I would say um, first and foremost, like before you even get into something, know when and why you're going to be getting out of it. Like before you even decide to get into this project, know why you're getting out of it. And I would say like, another thing for like investors and flippers alike is people need to learn how to live with their decisions because I feel like a lot, like we, we focus a lot, we feel right. We're human beings. We feel, we feel a lot of remorse. We feel a lot of the regret, like, Oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. Then we beat ourselves up for it. It's just like, look, I think a good investor just lives with his or her decision. Like if this, there's always going to be opportunity costs, right? Like, okay. Like Mondo said, you gave an example, like I got in on something at 200, it went up to 800. Can it go up further? Yes, it possibly can. Can it crash? Also true. So make a decision. I think some decision-making is a skill set. So make the decision and then live with it. If she keeps going up and you left money on the table, live with it. If you got out at the wrong time and then turns around or whatever the case may be, live with it. And then, you know, just look at your loss, you know, however many investments, how do they do? What did you do? Are you consistent or not? So you're not making like just a bunch of different mistakes. Um, I think with some consistency, and like we all trade Forex here. So it's just like, if you have no confirmation checklist, then <laughs> I think you can't really um, tell if you're doing anything right or wrong because there's no consistency. So same thing with investments. It's just like, okay, how many times have I gotten in? Did I let my last investment affect this investment? Because last time I might have held on too long or not held on too long. And now I'm letting that affect this one without its own like analysis, you know, maybe the investment does something completely different, but I would say that it's just like live with your decision. Like you got to decide beforehand and then live with it. Yeah. That's such a bar. I personally like I personally like taking the bag and missing out on some profits yeah. and watching that shit go all the way back and making nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts, man. 
Yeah. Well, that you can't go broke taking profits. That is exactly. That's literally like what I tell myself all the time. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Even if it's a little bit out of time, like the crumbs, I'm I'm cool with it. I even if you're catching, it. yeah, fifty percent of the move, even forty percent, thirty percent, twenty five percent of the move, you still caught a move. Because liquidity is power. Like let's say, let's continue the same example. Let's say we got in at two hundred, it went up to eight hundred, but then it kept going to fifteen hundred. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm good with the eight hundred because guess what? Then I can I have eight hundred dollars or whatever to get in on another investment whenever the opportunity presents itself. Yep. If I'm holding. I don't have the liquidity. Liquidity mm. is That's a hard decision to live with, though, I think, for people is because of the social nature and now we have of investing in crypto, especially. It's like, you, you, it's, you, I think we've all experienced it. You get that euphoria. You get that, like, dude, it's going to keep going. Why the fuck would I get out right now? Like, it's going to 100K. Like, everyone was convinced Bitcoin was going to 100K. You know, so it's like, it's difficult. It's easier. It's like, it's easy in the conversation. And obviously having that experience and journaling and learning from it, that's where you develop that ability to make that decision when it becomes difficult. Uh, but Nancy, have you, have you diamond handed anything? Are you diamond handed anything right now? <laughs> the, the one, I guess, uh, quote unquote regret that I would have, I wish I would have like taken more. I did take profits off something, but I'm sure you guys both invested in VRA. Um, got in super freaking early, right? We saw it go to almost eight cents or almost nine cents, something like that. And I think it was eight cents. And then nine cents was my take profit. Like I said, I'm going to hold on to uh, 99% of this until nine cents. Uh, and it just missed and, you know, we're sitting back at a penny <laughs> or less. To follow up on that, and this is something I'm dealing with my current trading investing. Where is the, do you allow flexibility with your take profits or are you learning to be yeah, more that's rigid with learning. it? It's like, if you have that set take profit, that can almost like be a conviction that can limit you from taking profits. You're yeah. like, no, I'm not getting out until it hits here. But then at yeah. the same time, the drawdown of holding it to take profit might not hit. You might not get anything. Exactly. That's that's exactly the decision that I have to live with because I made that. Um, would I do things differently? I mean, yeah, hindsight 2020. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I did take out, I took out some to um, to give like my family for our home so i'm actually glad i did that <laughs> otherwise i'd be even saltier um but yeah the, the cool thing about knowing how to read charts is that she gave us another opportunity to get out we saw the distribution whether or not you paid attention like that's the thing and i want to ask you guys this how do you how do you teach someone to not have like blind hope you know like yeah i wanted it to hit nine cents but how do you teach someone to like listen man it just might not make it there you know I don't think that that's like, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not a teacher, right? I, I don't, I don't consider myself to be like someone at a high stable of, you know, power to give somebody like that piece of advice. But I, I personally think it has to be experience. Like you have to experience that for you to realize like, okay, look, if I, cause this has happened to me so much in my trading and that's something that I'm getting very good at now is like, okay, if I, I, I'm like in, in regular trading, right? Margin trading, I trail my stop. So if it comes back, I'm securing profit. Like, and then I'm okay. Just like Jordan said, right? It's okay if like, I'm if I only caught 25% of the move, 30% of the move, like I at least caught some of the move and then just like mix with what you said, right? Liquidity is power. Now I can take another position risk-free because I'm risking the profit from my last trade versus, you know, not taking profit risking a break even or even a loss because I didn't manage my trade very well. And then having to risk more of my previous liquidity into that. But 
you know, this took me, this just took me four years to learn. So it's like, can I give somebody the answer now? Like, yeah, just lose a bunch of times and then realize like, yo, this is not working, you know? But my thing would just be like management. I think something, you know, even in investing, management of how you, like investing is not just putting your money into something. Trading is not just clicking the button. Like that's easy. You know, Mark Douglas says this all the time. Like what physical skill is trading none like you just push a button it's green yeah green i mean blue or red and that's it trading is once you're in investing is once you're in because getting in is simple it's Mm -hmm. like how you manage it while you're in and then getting out so that's you know that would be my answer i don't know what you got to say jordan I, i think i agree with you i think the market is the best teacher like yeah it teaches you the lessons you need to learn and my focus, you know, as a leader and with the business that we run and being in the community is like, is helping people sustain that experience, like helping people go through that journey because it can be difficult. It can be emotionally very challenging. Financially, it can be very challenging. You know, so it's like, I know it's a game of survival and I know inevitably the market will teach you the lessons that you need to learn. So my concern with helping others learn that lesson is just helping them stay in the game, helping them, you know, soothe the losses like not get too hyped on the wins you know developing that discipline developing that cool-headedness that risk-free trading mindset you know because that's the people who are able to stay calm under pressure understand losses are part of the game not get too hyped on the wins you know that's that's the mentality you know like mark douglas says it's like what's the difference like trading is a is a psychological skill set you know it's like anybody can hit a lot of people, you know, who play basketball, basketball player, my hoover myself, right? You go in the gym, nobody's there, you're shooting free throws. Sure, you can make seven, eight out of ten, easy. But you're on the line, seven seconds left, game seven, NBA finals. <laughs> Not too many can people can make those shots when the or really, really matters. Unless you're Steph Curry and you win the finals. <laughs> oh, man, I wish. Golden start to Golden State, Steph Curry, my man. Love that guy. But uh yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's when the pressure's on, you know, and when you're in the markets and financially the pressure is on, obviously risk management's a huge part of alleviating that pressure, but that's just the matrix we live in, you know, and money has been a form of control for so many people for so long. So it is a difficult thing to break free of psychologically of like the stress of needing and wanting to make money, you know, because that it's crazy when you stop caring about it. That's actually when it starts working out for you. Yeah. That's so key, man. That's so key. And I think that's something that like, again, you know, you have to learn through kind of experience. And Nancy, I kind of want to shift the conversation. You know, we've been talking about money and business for a little bit now, but kind of want to dive deep into a little bit of a different subject because I know, um, you know, I wish we had, I'm sure we do. I just haven't looked right. But statistics of like, um, like the, what, uh, like men and women listen to this, right? Um, but I'm sure we get a lot of men that listen to this. And so we, you know, you're the first woman that we've had a conversation with, with Jordan here. Um, and I kind of want to get into a little bit of like how, how, and you know, it's, I thought about this question because I thought of, you know, the Hormozis, right. You guys put me onto that. And, and it's so cool to see like the, the relatability that you and Mike have to um, like Alex and I can't remember her name. What was it? Leela. Layla, right. Uh, Alex and Layla, right. Like they talk about, and they did like a whole series on like alpha. Right. Mm-hmm. And you and Mike are very alpha. Like you guys both have very alpha. Well, Alex Hermosi is a lot more like 
physically look an alpha than Mike, right? But Mike, Mike is definitely an alpha, you know, he's very humble alpha, but like, you can tell when he walks in a room, like this guy is someone to be respected. Same with you. So like, how is it, how is it like, and what is that kind of like relationship balance that you guys have? Like, do you guys ever clash or do you guys ever like, you know, like not argue, but like have fusses about certain, you know, mental things or is it just like a, a very harm, harmonious kind of relationship you guys live with both being alphas you know in business and in life yeah I think more so on leaning on the latter side like we we actually don't really we don't argue we don't fight like I I couldn't tell you the last time that we actually went like butted heads um but the funny thing is that and this might not even have to do with being alpha but like with being we'll call it personally developed <laughs> and, and just like knowing certain things, like we'll push each other's buttons in ways of like, I can't even give you guys an example right now. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but you know what I mean? It's just like, uh, if I say something, I'll be like, no, that's just the way that you received it. Or that's your perception or something like, like, like a little bit smart ass remarks, but <laughs> <laughs> it's valid, but maybe not the best delivery or maybe not the right time or something like that. But um, no, we don't really clash too much in terms of like, actually we, we work really well together. I will say that like, I have certain strengths. He has certain strengths. We, we leverage each other's strengths and weaknesses and things like that. We feel what it is that we have to feel. Um, actually, I, I, I appreciate you, man. <laughs> has it always been like that? Yeah, he's over there in the corner. He's over there in the corner taking notes. Has it always been like that? For the most part, like you guys know, Mike, he, he, he doesn't really raise his voice. He's, he's a good guy. <laughs> so actually, I, I will say this, like we can get into a little bit of this segue. But when I, because like Jordan knows we've been, I've been dating Mike for a long time. Um, when I got into this relationship coming out of my previous relationship, I was really confused as to why we weren't bickering, why we weren't fighting. And I heard a quote not too long ago of like, when you have certain kind of paradigms of what a relationship looks like or what love looks like, um, peace starts to feel like boredom because you start to yearn, like, why am I not arguing with you? Do you not care about me? Things like that. So that actually showed me a little bit of like, huh, what's going on here? Um, but no, Mike's always been like that stable person. Just like, he just knows what he does. He does it well, emotionally, emotionally um, evolved, things like that. So it allowed me to learn about myself and how the thing, how relationships should be. I think I would pay to see Mike get mad. <laughs> he gets hurt. <laughs> like, like Mike pulls up to the airport, gate closed. Like, I feel like that's like the one scenario. That, that yeah. On an international flight. There to an event that he's to an event that he has to headline yeah that, yeah i think that would be it right there yeah. that would yeah. be the trigger someone, someone claim me that you need a vaccine when you don't need a vaccine <laughs> yeah. yo so let's go let's let's um you know jordan we always do this bro but we just have to bro i feel like nancy's a perfect go person to, to, to tap into yeah. let's go let's go there for a little bit how do you feel about this whole thing just like phew, vanishing that's gone then there was like war and now it's recession and then it's like shit's catching on fire that's probably good for you right factory farms catching on fire nancy's like yes one less down oh, the fucking animals are in their mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not the point um i think this is all it's all movie 
Like it's like this is season 2022 of like, you know like there's directors to it. Yeah. yeah. It's just like well we gotta keep them on their toes, you know. So what are we doing next season? Yeah. We'll find out. I'm, I'm getting over all- like the food shortages and recession and inflation. I want the freaking alien invasion. I'm ready for the next <laughs> hey, the rising know, plot. Really switch it up. <laughs> hey, I'm ready for the zombies, man. No, 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 no zombies. I'll do aliens. Oh man, what if we already got the zombies? Oh. What if we already got the aliens? Oh. <laughs> That's funny. So what are some current some I know you kind of dabbled into a little bit of um like, you know, real estate deals and stuff like that and some opportunities, but what are some of the things that you're doing to prepare for opportunities that are coming because obviously we're not at the bottom right now. Um so like strategically now that you've um you know, been around, you know, the financial markets and, and success and, you know, really wise people, um, which is something that we should talk about here next. But like, what what are some of the things that you're doing to prepare to take advantage of some of the up, up and coming opportunities? Funny enough, stacking cash, like saving, not spending more than I have to, um, limiting my times to Starbucks and things like that. <laughs> like not going shopping like I really want to have a decent amount for when it does hit the bottom and we see that accumulation and we see the break of structure and it's giving us signs that she ready I want to be ready you know this is like third time to charm come on (laughs) put me in coach I want to be ready yeah I gotta be ready gotta stack boats and love that clip at the bottom because that's that's the game name of the game I think that's the what's happening is they want to if to use the same metaphor with the gun, but <laughs> it's like they want to take your ammo. And if you have no ammo to buy in at the bottom, yeah. then like you can't take advantage. So Dang. Ammo. that's you saw you guys saw that uh that uh Dallas is buying back guns. I don't know if you guys saw that, but I did see that. I don't watch the news. No, well, I don't either. Jordan Morgan posted on his story, so that's kind of the news. That's the that's only the news, news I watch. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only news I watch. Yeah, but he posted that Dallas is giving a hundred dollar Visa card to anybody that turns in an unloaded gun. Okay, what do you like? What do you guys think the the motive is for that? "Quote unquote" safety, or like they just want to load up on guns? Gun control, yeah, yeah safety. It's like I think there's that narrative. It's like people citizens there's no need for citizens to have guns is what like is a very popular idea right now i think because of mass shootings yeah okay are we going there yeah let's go there (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know if you guys saw but there was so what was what was the last one in texas yeah so but the last mass shooting in texas um there's been like multiple reports from different journalists that the cops were there like lined up dozens of them and they were told not to go in when there was one shooter that just doesn't make any sense to me like yeah of course you don't want to cause any more casualties but bro like there were casualties regardless so the best that that i I don't know i wasn't put in the position but there were actually parents that went in there and saved their kids but the people with the guns didn't. I think, do you think that's more, do you think that's more like, uh, cause like, shit, I watched too many movies back in the day, Ryan, but is it, is that more like code, like regular service police officers can't just go in there, even though they're trained to like, you know, it might be stuff? 
<laughs> yeah, protocol. Exactly. Fuck the code, dude. If there's an armed threat inside a school with innocent children, why are you sitting there doing nothing? Yeah. And I, 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 I've seen my two cents on it is that, yes, you, you need to take your personal safety and your family's safety is in your own hands because there's been time and time again, situation, a situation proven that the system that we have for protection of civilians is failing. Yeah, so I'm going to take it into my own hands. There's, it's crazy because actually the town I live in, Arvada, small town, Colorado, it's a one-year anniversary. There was a guy, there was a, we were just there, old town. It's a small little public market. It's like four square blocks. They have little stores. They have a farmer's market. It's a cute little old town. People out there all the time. A year ago today, there was a guy there with a gun who started opening fire on the square. An innocent civilian was con- had a concealed carry, took out his gun, and killed him. Police arrived on the scene and they killed that guy who killed the shooter. Oh, what the fuck? The police denied shooting him. They covered it up. There's a whole media investigation. They eventually found that they did kill him. They obviously couldn't hide the fact that they did. Look at my Twitter right now. I didn't say his name, but I'm mentioning it here so people can look into it for themselves. But it's honestly, it it blows my mind. And this is, again, another situation of like, damn, like, I mean, people are saying, yeah, the cops could have identified the shooter, but like, then there's a perspective the cops just came in that I heard someone was the gun. They saw him with the gun, so they shot him. But again, it's just another example of like, I think taking that sort of thing into our own hands is, is, is important, you know, mm-hmm. and because the police aren't going to save you. Also, um, I don't know why I know this, but I, I think it's important to know. I think it actually, it's really freaking important for people to know this. If at any point you're doing anything regarding self-defense, whether it be like you're throwing hands or you have to stab someone or you have to shoot someone, like you're, you're supposed to go and try to save them. Like, even if they are just like out freaking cold, at least go and attempt to save them because then you can claim it was self-defense and not like a hate crime or something like that. Right. Um, you guys can look that up yourself, of course, but that's unfortunate. You Super. Know, like, His name was uh, John Hurley for people that want to look into that situation on their own time. Yeah, that's good to know. That's how you can like, especially if there's witnesses, right? Like, oh, yeah, this guy shot him, but then he tried to save him, even though he knew he was dead because it was self-defense. right? Yeah. Like, I think everyone sense. should go to self-defense class. I, learned, I went to like one or two and I learned like, a fuck ton. <laughs> yeah, that's good, especially living in Miami. Yeah. A lot of psychos out there. So what are you what are you doing to um I know you have big philanthropy um ambitions. So in this crazy, crazy world obviously that we live in now, what are some of the things that you want to do or that you're currently doing to kind of like leave your footprint, you know, and and like as far as making the world a better place? You know, that's something that I I ask myself pretty frequently because I have this thing in my you can call them dreams, goals, whatever. Like I want to be a Nobel Prize nominee, maybe not a winner, but I want to be nominated. Um, which means that I have to do something fucking spectacular, like something really freaking impactful, like change, bring back like free energy or change water or just educate the masses or something, you know, like we've seen all amazing people just like represent something like Malala. I don't know if she has a Nobel Peace Prize actually, but, um, you know, something to that extent, like, I got to do something. And I don't know what that something is. Like, I'm, I'm really not sure. Can it have to do with the animals? Maybe. I don't have that answer. So it's something that kind of like, I, I'm confident that it might come to me at some point. 
yeah, maybe not now, maybe when I'm 60, 80 or whatever, but it's definitely something that I like, I seek. Like, um, I have this friend back in Chicago. He was, he was, what's the word? Unjustly um, put behind bars for self-defense, actually. <laughs> um, somebody was coming at him and then he like fought back at a bar and he got five years in prison, five years that he'll never get back in his life. And yeah. so, so yeah, it's, the system has flaws. That's all I'm saying. Um, but anyway, he's a really great dude, right? And and he he does training because in his in his experience, like when he left that jail, when when he got out, you get ten dollars at least in Cook County. You know, it could be different different in other places, but you get ten dollars to your name to buy yourself a sandwich, and then as you know, good luck, best wishes. So basically he told me that story you know you know me and empath i'm just kind of like fuck yeah, do something about this man like i want to go i want to change the, the prison system i want to make sure that people are good before they even get out like know that they have somewhere to go know that they have resources know that they can trade know that they can you know like he was put behind bars in a time that funny enough like technology was evolving so he didn't know what an iphone was <laughs> it was like crazy yeah. like that um but yeah I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm a few conversations away and a few connections away from knowing what that'll be like, but I don't have the, an actual answer. Yeah, you got you got a crypto crime club, right? That's a big. Um... That's also part of that too. Yeah. So it's just yeah. like okay, I have this person and this project. Let's do something here. Yeah, you don't gotta know how. You just gotta know why. Mm-hmm. How it always presents itself. Uh-huh. But you said I, I caught something you said about energy, free energy. You said bring it back. What did you mean by that? Nikola Tesla. <laughs> energy already existed. We just got to monetize everything because commercialism. I hope that blew someone's brain and then go look into that now because that was a bar. <laughs> that is a bar. You know, it's so interesting because, you know, I think I've been studying Thinking Grow Rich and Napoleon Hill accredits um, Thomas Edison for, well, yours is thicker than mine. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> i was like hey i don't know mine's, got missing, mine's got missing information <laughs> um thomas edison accredits i mean and the point he'll accredits thomas edison for like creating energy right for like being responsible for the light bulb and all that kind of stuff and you know i believe a lot of the stuff majority of the stuff that's in that book right but just some of that stuff is just kind of like ugh. You know, like that's not necessarily true. So, like, why is this getting? Yeah. Oh, true. Ignorance. Yeah. I mean, you could be super. That's the craziest thing about human beings is like someone would be super well versed in one particular area. I don't see Napoleon Hill super well versed in the laws of manifestation and attraction, but does he have all this facts straight on everything? Absolutely not. And that's the problem with looking up to people like they know everything about everything. Not a single person. Not a single one of us does. Thanks. Where are you getting your information now, Nancy? Who do you look up to now? And so we talked about like who yeah. you looked up to before, but you know now now where where are you piecing your pieces from? Uh, I'm following Alex and Layla Harmozy, like kind of religiously, like uh, pretty much every new piece of content. And like either Mike sends it to me, or I'm already watching it at the gym or something like that. Um, just because I haven't seen that happen, you know, a centi millionaire at like thirty. Sheesh. Yeah, no, they're yeah. they're savage. They're like next level. Anybody listening, like you gotta look them up. Like they're like Mike says it too. Like they're that that piece that was missing in like that that mentorship. Because a, a lot of mentors nowadays they talk relatively about the same thing. They say the same things, you know, in a different way. But 
he he taps into so many different aspects of business and just like hits you with it like right hook like boom just it's so sexy the way that he just like presents information and his yeah. wife too man she's a savage that's the thing like they're not just great at what they do but they're also good at giving the information so that you can go out and do it too yeah whether we take action or not that's completely on us <laughs> but the option is there the information is there and i think more than anything it's just like again like kind of borrowing belief like oh shit this meathead did it i think i could do it maybe <laughs> yeah. oh that who else just them two um no like uh people that are in close proximity for example like matt jay alex morton chris terry like he's actually someone that i don't just admire for like yeah because i'm in his company or whatever but like he's quite the character the more that i learn about him i'm kind of kind of like impressed or uh, he's just a character i can i can explain another way um them bob proctor john c maxwell honestly like anyone that i can learn something from i'm gonna learn something from them whether it's what to do what not to do i like that i don't like that um maybe questioning it like okay but is it always that way or why do you think that or questioning myself why am i against that you know just like learning from everyone yeah. i know kind of stole my question but if you're if there was someone since you mentioned Alex and Layla, I think that'd be your first answer. But if there was someone in the world, anybody, who would you want to have access to that you don't have already? To learn from, obviously, be mentored by. Yeah, I want to mention someone else. Like, I feel like Alex and Layla pretty much pour them, like, pour the, the information out. But if I can sit down and have, like, a lunch with someone in particular... Could be dead or alive. Anybody. It's opened up a whole nother. <laughs> Have you guys read the book, uh, The Creature of Jekyll Island? Uh, not completely. Okay. I, I, I might sit down with like JP Morgan or, or someone way back when because what they created wasn't new. The banking system wasn't necessarily new. It was rebranded. So mm-hmm. I want to know how to rebrand now. Ooh. Like how Dang. like they changed our financial system. They pretty much laid, laid out a skeleton of what's going, to be, what's going to be the norm, right? Like if we were having, we were in that island having this conversation and we're like, okay, like let's create these contracts. Let's create these banks. Um, people are going to be using them for X, Y, and Z. Okay, what would that look like if we would have that conversation with Jeez. today? How can we transition? And, you know, how can I be in front of the trend? <laughs> That's a yeah. big, yeah, that's a big monster there. That's a big piece of cake. Okay, I have a question for you guys. Do you guys think that the financial system that we know today is going to be one that our grandkids, grandkids know? Grandkids. So like 100 years from now? Like 50. <laughs> 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 Damn. I yes, think so. I think yes and no. I'm like in between. I think we'll be in transition because, I mean, just look at the shit that's happening now. You know, like this should happen in 1920. You know, like the same things that were happening right now happen in 1920. We didn't learn from it then. It happened again in 2001. Didn't learn from it then. It happened again in 2008. It, like, it, like yes, do we have smarter people? And we have had three different scenarios where this has happened. Yeah, but it's happening again. You know, so it's cyclical. And I don't think that, you know, they, 
the power, right? These people that you just talked about, I don't think that they're willing to do that. But I think, you know, it goes to a conversation that Jordan and I have had with a couple of different people here. You know, Ray Dalio talks about the shifting world power. You know, I think that has to happen first before the current economic system that's here in the U.S. shifts. I don't think changes, but shifts. Because, I mean, how much, and I don't know the answer to this, maybe you guys do, but how much does the current economic or financial system have to do with the Constitution, you know? So, like, you know, if they're hand in hand, like, you would, in order to change the financial system, you would essentially have to change, you know? Like, in the 1920s, I, learned, I just learned this the other day, right? The 1920s, the SEC happened because of the, the, the market crash in 2000 or in 1920, 1929. So the SEC was fund was founded by, I think, uh, something Roosevelt, I think was his name or something. One of those guys, the guy who was president, the guy who was president at the time, that's who funded the SEC. And so because the SEC now exists, like now there's, now there's corruption within that, that allows different things to happen or not happen. So in order for that to evolve or to shift or transition, something catastrophic needs to happen. And I think it's the changing world power um, that can cause that. But then again, it goes to like that, that theory, right? Like uh, what is it? Cause reaction and, uh, or dialect. yeah, yeah. That, that problem reaction solution. Yeah, yeah. Dude, and that's exactly why I think it's happening. We're seeing it. The system is changing. The dollars, we're so insolvent, bro. We're so far in debt. Like, we're so bankrupt. The, yeah, Nancy mentioned it. Jekyll Island, 1913, you create the Federal Reserve. And then you have those series of Bretton Woods of the financial system completely changing to the point where it's at today where our dollars aren't backed by anything. Still to the day, right now, 85% of trade is $11. But think of it if you weren't in the U.S. and if you weren't on the beneficiary side of the hegemony of the dollar right now. Wouldn't you want a new system? Wouldn't you want trade to be settled in a different currency for it to be different people pulling the strings? I think that's happening. I think all the things are aligning. The U.S. losing its power. The dollar losing its power. China rising. So just the fact that we've been in power for 100 years, like Ray Dalio says, nobody stays in power for that long before us. It was Britain before them. It was Dutch. So it's it's it's. I think it's overdue. And I think that system has ran its course. And we're going to, I think, in this, like, 2020, in my opinion, was... This is a, such a loaded statement, but it was 2020 was the launch of the New World Order. That was the commencement. That was the sequence of events that's going to lead to what we're talking about, the demise of the dollar, the changing of the systems, the shift into the new economy, the new world. Like, I believe 100%. That's what we're going through. That's what we're seeing. And, like, it's it's already set in stone. Like, these plans have been made a long time ago. And doesn't isn't it weird? At least I think about this. I don't know if you guys think about this. But I'm just kind of like, what are the odds that I'm living in this time where everything because yeah. it's I don't know about you guys but like and of course like when we we're like growing up we're super naive and oblivious to what's going on around us but as I grew up I'm just kind of like why is everything happening <laughs> like why are all these viruses going on like was it always like this yeah probably you know we had like the plague and stuff but I was just kind of like is things, are things escalating or something <laughs> like who tended it up sure. <laughs> yeah. I think so it's like dude yeah it's the, the the vibration the energy of the planet is just rising you know and it's it's it can be viewed as chaos it can be viewed, be viewed as destruction but what comes after that is birth rebirth new construction like the construction of the new so that, that's what i'm looking forward to and where i'm trying to position myself personally is in alignment with what's coming because i went down the rabbit hole really deep in 2020 
with just the state mm-hmm. of the world, the affairs, like the intentions of people, like especially with children trafficking, you know, that's, those are dark subjects. And I went in that rabbit hole and the, I came out of it because I learned probably one of the most important lessons of life is being able to identify what you can control and what you can't control, you know, and learning to like act on the things you can control and just learn to live with the things you can't. And unfortunately the new financial system, the new world order, I can't control any of that, you know? So it's like align with it or, or I don't know what else. <laughs> I think that's really important what you said. It's kind of like teaching yourself and maybe hopefully others how to, how to stomach how to have a stomach for like your soul, how to have like thick skin for your soul. Because I've seen, I've had friends that have dove into that rabbit hole. And like, of course I have too, but that they didn't make it out the same. Like it, it, it hurt them. It changed their character. It changed their perspective, at least for a temporary amount of time. And I was just like, damn, like not everyone can stomach the truth. That's why, you know, ignorance is bliss. So I think that what you just said is just like having peace with what you can control and peace with what you can't control. That's, that's powerful right there. Yeah. 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 Because otherwise, yeah, you get stuck, you know, you can get stuck in there. And if you don't, you have to empower yourself with the ability to make change in the aspects of life that you can make change in, you know, and if you're focused on things you can't change, you, you'll fester and get stuck there. It's like a disease and just keep growing. Nancy, I kind of have like a, finalizing question for you i know i I was talking to my dad about this um and i think there's a lot of people that are in a position where they are just like you know he said a lot of people can see or a lot of people have um sight but they can't see a lot of people have um a lot of people can hear but they don't listen you know i think a lot of people are you know just kind of going through the motions of life and you know, or quote unquote, like asleep, you know, like they're, they, they, you know, we talk about this because we obviously, we know we have, we're, we're almost forced to educate ourselves on current, you know, world events and stuff like this, because we participate in the financial markets, which move the world. So, so we're almost like forced to, to know these things or to at least educate ourselves constantly on these things. But for most people that were in a position that all three of us were in four or five years ago, where we were just kind of like, step by step walking through life asleep not really aware of this stuff like what what kind of like piece of advice would you give to someone that's like barely like realizing that these these whole things are not coincidences like these things that are happening in the world they're not just like random causes they're not just like you know random tragedies you know people that still believe that you know 9-11 was a terrorist attack like this kind of stuff you know like people that are asleep essentially like what can you give like what piece of advice can you give those people or like what can you tell those people that are like wanting to search for the truth but just like you said right it's tough not a lot of people want to listen to this stuff because or to the truth because they think that you know it's dark you know just like like child trafficking like that's a dark subject but it's like in front of your face it's happening all the time and like in the most like public places so like with you know you kind of get where i'm going this like what what would you tell somebody i think a very direct answer would be like follow the money you know there's a, there's a semi a paper trail like you can find the conglomerate you can find a parent company of who owns this and then who owns that and who owns that if you do extensive research um but something that i would something else that i would sell that's maybe a little bit more indirect is look for change like in yourself 
it sounds again it might sound really cheesy but like when you seek ways ways that you can just not be the same person as who you were yesterday because if I'm the same person today as I was yesterday as I was six months ago as I was a year ago so on and so forth then my future will also start to look the same it becomes very predictable as Dr. Joe Dispenza would put it and actually that's like one of my biggest fears like I do not want to know who I am five years five years from now ten years from now. like I want to be a completely different person why because seeking that change that change it's, it's like margin trading right like that changes where the growth is if there is no change, there's no opportunity even to grow. So lean into like that discomfort. You'll, yes, you'll grow yourself, which is important enough, but for all these other things that are happening around the world, you'll start to just open your mind up to questioning things in a healthy way. You know, sometimes it can get unhealthy too, but um, <laughs> like, then you'll start to just like be more open-minded, you know, just not a little less traditional, just, you know dig a little deeper right between the lines so that that's that's what i would say love that read between the lines that's deep it's like now right here read between the lines right it's like what's going on what's happening inside here yeah i think it, there's a there's something good about like a healthy skepticism is what i would call it it's just mm -hmm. like question it why do you have to go to school? Like be like a four-year-old, right? Like kids are so innocent, but they're actually like really intelligent for not having this mask that we've been almost trained to have. You know, it's like, oh, like mind your matters, raise your hand, um, ask before you go to the bathroom, you know, like things that we learned in school, but kids don't have that yet. They weren't pro, they haven't gone through that training. They haven't gone through the, the assembly line of teaching people how to become employees. So what do they do? They ask questions because they're curious. Yeah. Curiosity. Curiosity is a beautiful thing. So, so to wrap that up, I, I love that answer because it's like, I think my opposing question is like, when you see the light, you're like, holy, oh, the veil has been lifted. And I love your answer. It's like, be open to change and ask good questions. Mm -hmm. What was that thing for you, Nan? Sorry, before we, before we get going, what was that <laughs> thing for you that I want to hear? Because it's yeah. always different. for, And I think we've asked this to, to several people that we've had on here. Like, what was that thing that was just like, oh, the, here's the wizard, actually, you know, like, here's behind the guy behind the curtain. What was what was that thing for you that was just like, oh, hmm. I don't know the one instance for that, the, like the thing that kind of showed me that everything is orchestrated. Yeah. Uh, the market woke definitely you up. helped that. What woke me up? Shit, dude. I don't know. I think it was a series of events. I can't. I, I can't like pinpoint one, but I think it was a series of events of, honestly, it's just, I felt really complacent and I, I felt like I was in a simulation. Have you guys watched some, um, oh my God, where's that, what's that movie where he doesn't know he's in a movie, but everyone else does? Matrix? No, I know what you're talking about. He's in a dome and so. Yeah, babe, what's that movie? Where he's in a, where, no, he's the only one that doesn't know that he's in Jim a movie. Jim Carrey, right? Yeah, Jim Carrey. Yeah. Um... <laughs> our listeners are like okay. it's this movie just say it yeah right. <laughs> uh, anyway point being is that i felt like i was in a movie and that everyone knew but but me so i was just like i don't know i kind of felt a, uh, kind of alone so i just like went looking for stuff the truman, the truman show yep. <laughs> yep. truman show that's the one where he puts on the glasses and he's in new york city and he starts seeing everything or is that not the one well i think he's a different the guy Oh, okay, okay. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, 
but yeah that's kind of what did it for me and then of course like Jordan mentioned it 2020 like um certain videos started to come out like people disappearing people dying out of nowhere um like I said follow the money I'm I'm really salty about Mac Miller dying but you know damn all right P dude yeah 2020 was a was a veil lifting year for the world I think so too that's what I'm saying. It's like, did everything just like accumulate and this is all being brought out right now? Kind of. Oh. <laughs> 2020 was, I think, when we all kind of went in through to the rabbit hole and and things starting to make sense. We're like, I kind of wish it didn't. All right, last question for real. Do you think? Do you, do you think? And I'm only asking this question because some, one of our listeners was just like, "Yeah, this is an infinite question." You know, you got to ask this to every guest now. And then I'm going to take a poll up until this happens, right? Do you think Trump will get reelected? Huh. Um, you'd be surprised with how little I think about politics. <laughs> do I think he'd get reelected? I think it's not out of the question because anything is possible. Maybe he has a lot, he has a good fan base. I'm going to go with maybe. Does he want to? Does, I don't know. Who wants to be? I don't, I don't want to be president. Sounds like a lot of... Not technically. I thought he did. And then they... Well, they failed the first time. Then they tried a second. I thought that was the whole reason why they impeached him. Just to let him not get in office again. Oh, once you get impeached, you can't get like reelected, right? Yeah. You can't? No, you can't. Oh, okay. And then they kick failed him out. The, they failed the first impeachment, but then they retried him again after he was out of office and they convicted him. Oh, they did? Yeah. Oh. Well, then I guess I got to stop asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even matter anyways. Like. Yeah, that's true. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to bring out to the light all the Trump supporters. <laughs> that's funny. Man. All right, Nancy. Well, I appreciate you being on here. Much love to you. Jordan, you got anything you want to add before we wrap up? No, no. Thank you, Nancy, for being on. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Looking forward to that psychology book you got cooking up. And yeah. excited to see more growth out of you and Mike. And keep doing you, man. Keep doing you, growth. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Much appreciated. All right, everybody. We'll catch you next time in another episode. Peace.